There are 70 days until the 2022 midterm elections, 70 days for Americans in several swing states and in every single congressional district to decide whether they're willing to endorse treason and espionage, support the relegation of women to second-class citizenship, advocate for the slaughter of schoolchildren in exchange for their right to own weapons of war, and to revoke once and for all the access of Black Americans to the franchise, or vote for decency, fairness, and democracy. Welcome to today's episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions with the Nerd Avengers and special guest Ruth Benigliat, professor of history and Italian studies at NYU, author of Strong Men from Mussolini to the Present and proprietor of the excellent newsletter Lucid, and Ellie Mistal of The Nation and author of Allow Me to Retort and Front Runner for Head Nerd. Uh, so since last we met, uh, I think it was about 7,000 years ago, um, Donald has had several temper tantrums on his soon-to-be ba- bankrupt uh, social media platform. Uh, he's been reposting content from 4chan or 8chan or whatever the most fascist thing out there is, um, you know, as well-adjusted people do. And he's claimed once again that he won the 2020 election and is demanding a new election be held because that's totally normal. And this morning, he was having a full-blown meltdown. Uh, a judge has said that Brian Kemp, uh, uh, governor of Georgia, must testify in the Fulton County election fraud case, but not until after the 2022 midterms, which makes no sense because he's being called as a fact witness, not as a defendant. Tony Ornato, a potentially important fact witness in the January 6th insurrection uh, and possible traitor enabler, um, has retired from the Secret Service. Lindsey Graham, our blackmail, has threatened violence if the DOJ does its job. And we've learned that Donald allegedly bragged that he had intel on the sex life of President of France, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, Finally, President Biden is giving a primetime speech on the battle of the soul for our nation, or I should say of our nation, is Dark Brandon on the rise. I know the Nerd Avengers are welcome, everybody. Uh, it is so great to have you, Ruth, Ellie, um, and Dean. Good to see you. It's been a while. So, Ruth, I'd like to start with you um, because this is kind of all up your alley. And we're seeing um, your so much of what you wrote about uh, in Strongman playing out. What uh, particularly what's been going on in the last week or two that's that's really um, got you, gotten your interest and gotten you concerned more, more than we usually are. Yeah, so um, it's entirely predictable, all of these meltdowns uh, uh, that Trump is having, that he's, you know, been exposed uh, more and more for what he is. I, I would say it's it's very, um, one of the things I read about in Strongman is that th- this kind of leader has a very particular uh, mentality. They have a proprietary conception of governance. They don't, di- they don't differentiate between public and private at all. So that's why the entire uh, resources of the nation are theirs to plunder. Um, and they end up, you know, uh, like when you have a full dictatorship, Gaddafi had all of his stolen billions mixed in with the Libyan State Investment Authority. There's just no, there's no separation. So the fact that 
he would have all these uh, had stolen all these you know documents to leverage or sell whatever he was going to do with them is entirely typical. The other thing um, that goes along with this kind of strongman complex is that he's crying victimhood and that he has to be the the victim. And of course, the more they're exposed and more culpable, the more they have to be victims and they also have to uh, ratchet up the threat of violence. And as you all know, Trump's been cultivating uh, this kind of you know, in January 60, he had a bespoke army of thugs, right? But he's been cultivating uh, this group of, you know, many, many people to be violent on his command. And so that is what's going on now with Lindsey Graham and other people who are, you know, doing their loyalty performances. Yeah. Uh, and Ellie, this this is feels to me like it's all of a piece. Uh, the reason I mentioned Kemp, even though it might seem like it's outside the purview of uh, what's happening with the stolen documents, the espionage and the DOJ, is because I think, you know, that's related to January 6th. And I think what's happening, what's unfolding uh, in real time is also related to January 6th. And you know, I've been thinking about your book a lot, especially since the the last horrific term of uh, the Supreme Court because, you know, they're gunning for the two amendments you said are the only two we really need. Uh, and that also feels of a, of, a piece, of, of a piece with everything else that's going on. Is, is that fair? Absolutely. I want to back up for a second and just, just I want to put a pin in this because I, I think it's hilarious and we overlook this too much. Trump thought that he had dirt on the sex life of the <laughs> French president, and that was gonna matter. Like, what does he was he also gonna say like, oh, Emmanuel Macron, he's a wine drink. Like, what was he gonna? Anyway, he likes the, cheese. Like, I always like to to point out before I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. Just remember how clownish and stupid this man is. And I try to keep that kind of in front of in front of mind because it's important to help me sleep. Because mm -hmm. the only reason why I think we have any chance to navigate through this is that the not semi-fascist, full-on fascist, racist, white supremacist leader of this movement is a clownish fool. And that's yeah. like that's our best defense, and it has always been and is still. Now, when you say that it's all of a piece, the thing that I feel <laughs> duty-bound to point out is that what's happening really right now in America is that the the again the the fascist racist white supremacist forces who usually only threaten this kind of violence against black people yeah who usually keep laser focus on the 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 physical and mental oppression of minorities are now talking about and willing to turn their violence onto default America white America writ large and yeah. White people are surprised about that. They're like, "Oh, whoa! These guys are these guys are serious." But like, at, from a from a minority perspective, that's what these people are like all the time. Yes. This ain't new. Their their go to thing. Their their last their kind of first line of threat and last line of defense has always been violence in this country when equality looks to be coming down from the other side. Yeah. And so now that Trump and his MAGA fans are facing the the potential of accountability and equality under the law, 
Of course they're resorting to violence because it's all they have left. It's all they always have left. And that's what we're seeing, as you said, Mary, uh, that's what we're seeing across multiple vectors now. Yeah. uh, And it's so good that you pointed that out, even though it shouldn't need to be pointed out. This is just more of the same. Uh, It's just that the target pool is is, uh, larger than it has been historically. And white people are seem constitutionally incapable of remembering that or understanding at any deep level because, hey, guys, the American South was a closed fascist state for almost a set. Well, I mean, much longer than that, but post reconstruction or post civil war, it was a closed fascist state. Uh, And in in some ways it still is. We see what's happening. Is it Mississippi? Uh, Tate Reeves, uh, psycho and, um, you know, uh, Florida. It's it's just happening. Um, in maybe a more obvious way, and they're going after more communities, but it's this is nothing new. Uh, so, Dean, uh, we haven't seen you in a while, so I'm I'm really eager to hear where you are in your observations of what you know. Again, e- even though none of this I think should surprise anybody, um, too many people seem woefully unprepared to stare in the face uh what we're grappling with right now i agree but i'm actually just here to record this and play it on my show so <laughs> i'm gonna just dub in my voice like i'm asking the questions and I'm like, okay. oh, ellie's here and ruth's here and norm and jen and brian and everyone so at least you're all, giving us a heads up that's I'm totally just cool. stealing the content i shouldn't even talk it's kind of ruined the edit later but yeah it's gonna to be my next Substack article it's great no it's great to see you and i and i just because of my show pre-tapes it makes it sometimes impossible to be here at this time but what you're doing is remarkable, bringing these great voices together to educate and at times entertain us through very difficult times. Sort of like we're like the band in cabaret right now, you know, as, as they're marching <laughs> on us outside. Literally, this is what's happening. I don't, you know, for over a year, and we've talked about this, Mary, I've been tweeting for over a year, folks. Daily reminder, today's GOP is no longer a political party. It's a white nationalist fascist movement right. that must be politically destroyed to save our republic. And I changed it a little. I added like, and now they want to impose their religious views as law as well. This is what we're dealing with. Anyone who's read any book on history, if you stumble across the History Channel, you understand this is not normal. I had Rick Wilson on last night who's like, the best case scenario, if Trump gets back in, he's Saddam Hussein. That's the best case. Like, he's a benevolent dictator that only kills people who aren't really loyal to him. I, I actually think people think that fascism only happens, like, with Mussolini or with Hitler. Like, it can't happen now. They've heard this term. They've heard it thrown around. It's happening. It's happening right now, and that's academically. I've had Ruth on who likes to use the term authoritarian more than fascism, but now with their embrace of violence, it... I think you can call it fascism. People like Madeleine Albright in her book, the definition applies now. So it's about getting people to think outside of the box and understand we're not being hyperbolic. We're not trying to get retweets. We're trying to warn people because we're scared as crap. And we're kind of scared that everyone else isn't getting it at the same time because we need everybody engaged. So that's where I stand now. I'm just as scared as ever, but I'm glad certain people are waking up to the threat of semi-fascism. Semi-fascism. <laughs> Baby steps. Fascism, yeah. semi-fascism. <laughs> yeah, I like to say, well, Biden was half right. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm very curious to see uh, if he if he breaks out of that box during this prime time address, uh, Norm, because it's it's time. The gloves come off. Um, we're not. Uh, we're not revealing anything. We're just facing something. It seems to me, because uh, I one, one of the things that's been kind of driving me crazy is how exactly is the Republican Party different now from how it was under Reagan? I just I don't really see the difference except for the overt fascism um, and maybe the more uh, intense devotion and sycophancy of the following. So uh, first, I'm, I'm glad to see this primetime speech. It's time that the president use the most powerful bully pulpit there is in the country. People get focused on it in a way that nobody else can do. And he has been reluctant to do it before now. Now he's coming out in a feisty way and it's uh, later than I would have liked to have seen, yeah. but it's also very important. And you can see the reaction, the stuck pig reaction of Trumpists to the term semi-fascism. Oh, my God, this is so much worse than anything that Trump has said. Uh, you know, this isn't just a bunch of fascists. It's a bunch of snowflake fascists. But <laughs> if any of us had said it, and many of us have, they ignore it. They can't ignore it when it's coming from the president. And it right. changes the focal point and the frame in a way that's very useful. I would just say in response to the Republican Party and if there are changes from uh, the Reagan era, there are some. It's gotten worse. It's gotten more public, obviously. People are willing to say and do things publicly that they would only do privately. And this mm -hmm. to me, I just, I always come back to uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan's defining deviancy down. Now, the, it's the new normal, and it's a frightening new normal. The other thing that's changed a little bit is it's become much more of a cult than it was. Back then, it was at least, it had the semblance of a traditional party, if one that was moving in a more radical direction. Now there's no party anymore. It is a radical, fanatic cult. And there are two kinds of people occupying elective office as Republicans, with two exceptions in the House, none in the Senate. They're either fanatics or they're cowards. Mm -hmm. And I think back in the Reagan era, you could pick out some who were neither. There were some who would have stood up to this. And, you know, when uh, uh, Liz Cheney says that a hundred of her colleagues went up to her after January 6th and said, you're right, but I can't say anything. That's different from what we had before. And it's the most frightening element of this, because mm -hmm. if we had as some of those elites who would say this is wrong, if right now, for example, any Republican in the Senate would say, we need to have Lindsey Graham appear before the Senate Ethics Committee because what he did was reckless, dangerous, and completely unethical. Not one of them will say one word. And that's the reality of where we are uh, right now. I, I Just one other point that I think, you know, you've mentioned this at the beginning a little bit, but I think we need to focus on. And that's the Trump judge who is going to be ruling on whether there is a special master. 
Here's the reality. Where do we have special masters? It's when you have lawyers' offices raided and all kinds of material is taken up. And some of it may very well involve lawyer-client privilege, including for other clients. And you want to have somebody look at that and separate out what is genuinely lawyer-client privilege and what is either caught up in an illegal scheme uh, or a crime or doesn't meet that designation. Trump is trying to suggest that this is an executive privilege issue. There is no executive privilege. There is no uh, precedent for any of this. It's just a bunch of horseshit thrown out there by a bunch of horseshit lawyers um, who have nothing else to go on uh, and who've taken these jobs, even though they're going to be stiffed and won't get paid because they get publicity out of it. And probably they'll get more clients from the same group of people, maybe some of the billionaire Trumpists who will take them on. But uh, we have to watch this judge very carefully. How much is she willing? How far is she willing to go to carry Donald Trump's water and ignore the law and the president? And that's important, not just in this case, but because there are a lot of other judges out there who came in at the same time, who we have to also watch very carefully because they're more than willing to undermine the rule of law in this country and act like Victor Orban's judges. Yeah, it's a, an extremely dangerous uh, point we're at, and and um, I'm I'm also worried. It, it's a sad state of affairs when I whenever I hear that uh, the judge a judge was appointed by Donald. My first thought is then he or she needs to recuse immediately because they can, <laughs> they can't be trusted. They just can't be trusted, and that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, Jen, in response to Norm's describing uh, the Republican elected Republicans as fanatics and cowards, you added charlatan, and I don't know this is this is a close synonym, synonym to that or not. I add opportunist. Uh, so that does seem to be what we're dealing with. With again, two exceptions in the House, um, both of whom, by the way, if Donald hadn't committed treason, would be completely on board with him. Um, so, you know, they don't really believe in American democracy because they don't believe in voting rights, uh, et cetera. Um, but it creates this situation in which there's no point at which we can place pressure, right? Because it's, it's like this solid entity of support that Donald has no matter what we did. And there have been so many points along the way where we could have said this, but I, I think when they came out <laughs> pro-espionage a couple of weeks ago, that was a line you can't uncross. Well, they did. Well, yes, I guess what I mean is that you can't come back from that is what I meant to yeah, say. Well, Obviously, no. I'm talking to, I, I went to Jen first, Brian, and then we'll, oh, yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I see the question in there wrapped around <laughs> a comment, um, you know, tied you know up me well enough by now. Come on. Or something. Yeah. No, look, uh, you, know, you know, I said charlatan because I'm thinking of con artist. And to me, opportunist isn't is, isn't as strong of a word here, Mary. I rarely disagree with you, um, except 
I disagree with you and that you don't like spicy food. I mean, who? I mean, well, who, it's not my fault. <laughs> I mean, if you guys, why were, if you were having a quinoa salad, wouldn't you want chopped up jalapenos in it? I mean, I'll bring you some from my garden, Jen. I got plenty. Thanks. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, Mary. I didn't know if that was a public. I'm often spilling these things out. Anyway, um, so you've got to be spicy here, Mary. Go for the bland opportunist. What we're talking about here is actual charlatans. Okay. They are capitalizing on the destruction of American democracy. And they know that there are there's a cult and there are cowards, and it's the charlatans who are keeping it going. And it's just it's, you know, if the word evil would ever apply, it's to those people who know better. Um, period. Now you know, as to what Norm said, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and of course, agreeing and trying to understand what the end game is here besides delay with the as- assertion of executive privilege. Because as we know, the current president's exec, well, first of all, a former president doesn't have executive privilege. And even if you thought that they did, even if for a moment, if you thought that they did, the current president's executive privilege would have to trump a former, sorry, presidents, uh, because otherwise, what? I mean, the crowd, you know, this is like, even with even with the divine right of kings, you can only have one king at one time. And with a president, you can only have one president and there is a hierarchy. So let's assume, so we can just dispense with previous president having executive privilege. The current one has the most. And so if there is executive privilege, then what? The documents go back to the National Archives and then DOJ says, hi, can we have them? And then they get them just like they had the previous documents. So when Norm says, watch this judge, you know, I have not read the 40 page filing. Maybe it hasn't come out, but if they haven't said that, you has it come out the pay, filing? No, not yet. Okay, good. No. You, um, but like, if I'm the judge, you know, you know, she passed the flipping Elsa. This is not a hard logic problem here. I mean, anyone, you know what I'm saying? This is just basic logic 101. And if the judge doesn't immediately say, okay, we don't even need to have any kind of fact-finding here. I'm just going to, based on logic, I'm not going to make any kind of ruling. It's unnecessary. This We're going to listen to the, the current president, presidential administration. If they're not asserting executive privilege, it's, you know, that it's, we can just move on. So I, I'm just actually kind of like too stupid to understand what's going on here, I have to say. I I don't think it's your stupidity, although you did just hurt my feelings. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Mary, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't have to have spicy food. I'm, I'm in therapy. It's okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but actually, it's really bad. I, I just that was really. <laughs> do we need to have a therapy session, you guys? Are we okay? I'm yeah. going to let you in a little secret. Uh, despite my genetic profile, I, I can I can take it. Um, <laughs> so, isn't this therapy? Isn't this therapy? It is therapy. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I'm deductible every week to marry. <laughs> oh, okay. Mary's a um, therapist. It's no. This yeah. is this helps me tremendously because it it is easy to feel crazy or stupid because none of it makes sense because all along there should have been all of these points at which. It stopped, you know, from 1969 on. Uh, this, the next thing should never have been allowed to happen. And here we are freaking out because this judge 
might make this incredibly stupid and dangerous uh, decision that will set us back, that will postpone things once again, which is like Donald's the only tactic he's got left, and will once again muddy the waters, leaving the American people thinking, well, you know, maybe there's no there there. Um, Brian, is anybody, have you been in touch with anybody at the DOJ that can make sense of anything yeah, that's happening? I think we're getting a little over worrisome at this point. I want to wait and see what's going on. But as, as a federal prosecutor told me uh, the other day, look, the, they've already gone through all this stuff. <laughs> this, this, by the time, you know, a special master gets a hold of it, it's, it's really going to be a moot point. Um, to, to Norm's point, I, I wanted to say, uh, you said it's, uh, I want to make sure I get it right, Norm. You said that dangerous and completely unethical. And I just want to tell you, I think I may be wrong, but I think that's the GOP's new slogan. <laughs> that's probably where they're headed. And then you also said uh, a bunch of horseshit. That's Trump's new slogan. <laughs> There's just no way that that anyone. I, it, the, the funny thing about all this is, I just got off a, a month's trip across the country and talked with a lot of people. That I and I, I want to tell you briefly one quick story. I met a woman in mid Missouri, who um, she said the country is falling apart. If the United isn't in the United States anymore. And she gave me the most poignant reason for being upset. She claims she is a dedicated conservative. Her niece had an abortion because of a life-threatening condition. Her sister had an abortion because she had an unwanted pregnancy for an abusive common-law husband she later left. The quote she gave me was, no one should tell us how to lead our lives. She said that's what the Republicans used to be about, but they aren't anymore. Now, that could be no more than high wind in the trees, but she also said, I don't usually vote. This year I registered and I'm going to vote. And if that's the case, all of this is, is I think there is continues to be a window opening for uh, Democrats. I don't think that the House will flip and I don't think the Senate will flip ultimately if the Democrats can take advantage of this. So... When when we talk about special masters and what's going forward, I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump is freaking done. End the story. He he will be indicted. Whether or not he's prosecuted, whether or not he's prosecuted, I still have this belief. I'll say it here. I know people disagree, but I think he's going to be indicted somewhere, some way. Whether or not he'll be convicted is another thing. And I think at the end of the day, our concerns about a, a special master are just. Really, uh, at this point, I think just a little, little ahead of, of the game. Okay, well, Dahlia, that that may be true, but we're going on three weeks now. It's yeah. hard. I've I've lost track of three fucking weeks. Anybody else would be in a dungeon. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you had the wrong color skin, you'd be dead. I isn't mean, Mar-a-Lago is very a, a dungeon. Well, you know, um, I think as dungeons go, it's probably better than than most dungeons people get thrown into. Uh, so, and it's not just that he's he's still he's still free to roam. And the other problem with this, Dahlia, despite the fact that it, I mean, besides the fact that it does feel like the urgency is kind of going out of this thing, which it shouldn't be doing. It is not enough to indict Donald. I'm sorry if I keep repeating myself, but that isn't 
enough. The fact that we are even worrying about the midterm shows shows me just how dark the times are right now. So a couple of things. I think um, if we could re-subtitle this from Nerd Avengers, I think we could call all of the shows we've done subtitle The Law is Too Slow, right? Because we're mad at Merrick Garland and we're frustrated, you know, that, oh, my God, there's going to be a special master and holy crap, you know, (laughs) Georgia's held up, right? And Mm -hmm. in some sense, The Law is Too Slow. And that's some of what Norm is talking about, too, you know, that, that we can't make this go faster. And we've been waiting for six years for The Law to catch up with Donald Trump. Or but six I just decades. want to connect something that 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 um, you said, Mary, when you sort of said it's not that something's being revealed, it's something is being seen. And I think the really important point of connection here, and the reason I'm not in any way despondent, although usually I'm the despondentest of us all. Are you okay? I'm... <laughs> no, I I think it really matters that, that like the polling shows that people are worried about democracy yeah. and that it is the number one concern. And that the people who are showing up to register and vote, the woman that Brian met who are voting, they're not worried about Trump. They're worried about democracy. Yes. Yep. So here's the good news. It took six years for us to understand that this is about fascism and authoritarianism and denialism and the breaking of democratic processes. It's not about Trump. But what I see overwhelmingly, and by the way, this is the Kansas referendum, and this is the special election. This is people sort of cottoning to the fact that the only response to slow law is fast democracy. Mm-hmm. And if we have learned that, and I really, truly think that Mar-a-Lago has been a slow reveal that fast democracy is going to be the only thing that does this in time, yeah. then I call that a win. Yeah. And I don't want to be naive. I want to be super clear that if the state elections officials and the folks who are pushing vote suppression and the denialism that says that, what what are they now saying? There's no such thing as a legitimate vote in Utah, period. Thanks, Mike Lindell. Like, nobody in Utah is a legitimate voter. There are things to worry about in terms of even fast democracy. But if people are starting to connect up the violence that Ellie described to people of color, I would submit the violence to women that we are now living with this summer, the explicit and express violence to women, Mm -hmm. and saying that the solution to that isn't to like buy a mug or protest, it's to freaking register voters and show up in overwhelming numbers. I call that a win because this connection between broken democracy and all these outcomes has never been fully made. And I think this summer, that connection really, really, that pipeline is open and people see it. Hmm. Can I just add though, really quickly? Like, I, Absolutely. I, think, I think Dahlia's right, but I think that, that that says more about what that this country just learned who Samuel Alito was, as opposed to this country just learned who Donald, we've, already, we've always known what Donald Trump is about, and we're still kind of waiting for the law, as Dalio put it, to catch up to him, the too slow-moving slow law to catch up to him. I think what we're seeing on the ground is more of a reaction to, to Sam Alito and what the Supreme Court is about right now, and perhaps finally people taking the Supreme Court seriously and realizing, maybe for some of them for the first times in their voting lives, realizing that if you don't control the third branch of government, you don't control anything and you have no protection from what republicans are going to do yeah and they've totally shown their hand we know where this is all heading 
Um, I'm just curious, though, about that poll, because it worries me. Um, it could be people on the right saying that they're worried about American democracy because they don't understand what democracy is because they've been lied to and gaslit for so long. So I'm not entirely sure that it means what we hope it means. Um, and, you know, Ruth, I think one of the one of the reasons I worry about that is because nothing, a lot of the other mechanisms that are supposed to be in place to protect us aren't because as as you wrote in the chat any other country donald would be uh, a refugee in i don't know where <laughs> russia perhaps uh or not a refugee <laughs> whatever it's called exile thank you exile. Thank you. he would be in exile on main street in moscow um or i uh, he would he would be completely cut off from his ability to keep his cult riled up, and um, if that's for me, tell them I'll get back to them uh, <laughs> in a bit. Um, yeah, you know, uh, part of the, in fact, part of that and those answers that people are worried about democracy uh, does reflect the um, very powerful uh, right wing narrative that. Uh, Biden's administration and liberal democracy is the real tyranny. And in fact, we have lost control somewhat of that narrative. And I know because uh, you could, you, I get tons of talking so much about authoritarianism. I mean, think of, if you go to, go to do a little, uh, uh, what's the word, do a test, go to Amazon and look up authoritarianism and the, almost all the top selling books, mine is not among them, alas, but um, are by, are by right wing people like Ben Shapiro, yeah, uh, called the authoritarian moment. So there there are a lot of them, and so that is that's very concerning. It's also very old. Like Mussolini was the first to say that you know the real tyranny is liberal democracy. Orban says it today, so that's very concerning to me. But that's not. It wasn't all those people. There clearly is is some. Uh, greater awareness that 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 these are the issues of the day, um, and you know the 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 challenge is also to get through to independent voters, to kind of former Republicans or uh, non-fanatic Republicans. And there, I just want to say, if Donald's gonna, if Donald goes down, and I don't necessarily only mean this with some kind of prosecution, if he becomes too toxic, um, what happens historically with cults, and he really has a full-blown cult, which is, I have to say, it's pretty amazing because the analogous cults uh, of this amount of fervent uh, fanaticism usually are built in a closed state, not, yeah. not in a democracy. But what you see is that uh, there's plenty of uh, elites who are waiting to defect. It's this thing, elite defection. Now, you know, the biggest uh, the biggest difference that could be made by somebody like Mike Pence, if he could totally change the game if he goes and says certain things. And he's not doing that, fine. But there are always a lot of people who secretly hated uh, the bullying leader and knew very well, and this trickles down to kind of uh, grassroots um, and they knew very well that he was ruining the country and they're waiting for an excuse. They're waiting for a few people. And 
So I was very interested in January 6 hearings as soon as uh, certain very compelling testimonies by Republicans like Cassidy Hutchinson came. There were floods more people offering to testify. And that's why there's going to be partly why there's going to be more hearings. So so we can I'm just putting things on our radar to keep uh, to to watch because there is this historic dynamic when the cult leader uh, when it when his power becomes unstable, all kinds of things can happen um, in and around the party. I mean, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that Dahlia is in a good mood and feeling hopeful because that makes me happy. Um, right. Um, so, uh, too bad Charlotte's not here to take the place of the uh, the downer. Um, How despondent says she's in a good mood. I'm wondering if I can get a cop, an advanced copy of Lady Justice, Dahlia Lithwick's new book. I can't wait to read. Sorry, just and, and she's she's going to be on my show to talk about it too. Very excited. Do you want to hear something crazy? Only 45% of high school students feel they are prepared for college or careers. Today's sponsor, Stride Career Prep, is helping change that. Stride Career Prep lets students take charge of their education and their future by combining real-world skills training with traditional academics. Students can earn college credit while in high school or get the training needed to land a job right after graduation. Stride Career Prep prepares your teen for in-demand careers in business, tech, health science, criminal justice, and more. Students can take courses developed by industry professionals, prepare for certifications, get hands-on experience, network, and most importantly, gain the confidence to succeed. Stride Career Prep is backed by over 20 years of experience in online learning. There's nothing more important than our children's education and Stride Career Prep can truly change lives. Take charge today at k12.com slash podcast. That's k12.com slash podcast, or look for the link in our show notes. So, Ellie, I'm not in a good mood. Um, I'm feeling, don't get me wrong, I'm not feeling hopeless. I, 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 I reserve optimism for the midterms. Uh, there's no reason to call it. Think about how much has changed just in the last month. It's, it's insane. Like this stuff is going at an exponential rate. So I, it's premature to call anything. I think it is an ever, honestly, but particularly in these uncertain and abnormal times we're living in. And I completely defer to Ruth on this, Ellie, but I still worry about the base um, because I don't know that there are any Republicans out there who have the uh, intestinal fortitude or who are constitutionally incapable of, of turning their backs on that. Yeah, look, the Republican base is lost and has been for 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 I would argue for a generation. Like what yeah. what you see with Republicans are are people who had bought into this kind of white supremacist uh, worldview for a long time because they thought they could control it. And then the past six, seven years, they realized they couldn't control it, kind of overwhelmed them. And now they're sad about not being able to control it anymore. But they haven't renounced 
white right. supremacy. They haven't renounced the kinds of things that made Trump possible in the first place. And they're really just trying to get, you know, even, you know, Ruth was talking about the elite defection. What we're really talking about is white elite defection. And all those white elite want is just to get back to what they were doing 10 years ago, right? They want to get back to the Paul Ryan days where they were strangling off uh, the hopes and dignities of non-white people kind of slowly and professionally as opposed to with the crazy talk of Donald Trump. Like that, they just want to get rid of Trump. They don't want to get rid of what he does. Right, I don't exactly. think the Republican base hmm. is, is gettable. Um, however, Mary, I also do, you know, not, not quite as hopeful as... as, as uh, as a uh, 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 roses and sunshine Dahlia Lithwick over here. <laughs> <laughs> She's just making a guest appearance. Don't worry. Um, but I also do have some hope for the midterms. One, when you look at the Senate, I think we are, again, we're always, we're, the, my side of the argument is always benefited by the stupidity of the other side. And when I look <laughs> at the Senate, I look at winnable races in Georgia where they, no, where they nominated an actual idiot um, um, uh, to, to run for, for Senate. I look at, at uh, Pennsylvania, where they nominated a TV doctor from New Jersey to run for Senate. Like, you know, they, they nominated some extremely weak candidates for the Senate, and that gives me a lot of hope for the Senate. The House, mm -hmm. a little bit more dicey, but this is where... Uh, and I, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of uniquely aware, uh, in a way that I'm not usually, uh, of, of my race and gender as I say this. So I'm trying to have some <laughs> humility here. But it's to me, the House comes down to whether or not white women have had enough. Oh, totally. All right. Because like the uh, uh, black white women, women agree with you. Already on board. You know, black men, you're going to get 80 to 85 percent. We should get 90 percent. We can talk a little bit about, you know, where where that extra eight, nine, 10 percent of black men. Why aren't they on board? But, you know, you're going to get 80 percent of black men. You're going to get 66 percent of, uh, of Latinos. You're going to get 66 percent of Asians, maybe up to 70 because Trump is so racist about the coronavirus. But it's really going to come down to whether or not white women who a majority of them have bought into the Republican policies, vote for Republican candidates, even when they don't vote for Republican presidents, they vote for Republican senators and Congress people because they know that they will be protected by their whiteness, whether or not these white women have had enough and enough of them flip from Republican to Democrat. You only need to flip, let's say, 10 percent. That's but it's that 10% that kind of keeps Republicans in powers, um, both at the national level, but also at the state and local level. And so part of what I look at as I look ahead to the midterms is I'm just kind of, I, I don't want to be glib about it, but I'm just kind of waiting to see what white women do. Is, is this the day that white I, men say, like, we've had enough or not? Because if it's a, if they've had enough, well, then there's no chance for the, for Trump to win or the Republicans to win or whatever. And if they're still, you know, if they're just going to, as Chris Rock likes to say, if they're just going to ride that white thing out a little bit more, then we will go further into our fascism. I think he meant something else when he said riding that white thing. But, yeah, you're right. That, that's why, the, that's why the, uh, when I met the woman in mid-Missouri, it was surprising to me because she was a member of. And, look, I talked to about a dozen people, easily a dozen people, who said nearly the same thing, many of them um, white women across the country during the last month. But, Ellie, to your point, the, uh, the problem with racism and, and as espoused by the Republican Party, I think you will find the roots of that in Nixon's Southern strategy in the 70s, and that was picked up by Ronald Reagan. Those two people together are the ones who set the table for Donald Trump and made all of this possible. 
for the last 40 years, that racist tendency has dominated the GOP. They have made use of it. They've become a minority party in the process, but they hold on to power because not enough people vote. If you consider a 50% voter turnout, a good voter turnout, this country is screwed. If you get 60 or more percent, the Republicans, let's face it, they're done. No matter what the gerrymandering, the whole thing for for this midterm election and why it's so important, I think you've, you've touched upon a great dynamic there that is very important. It's are uh, white women who feel that they, you know, their whiteness no longer protects them. Do they turn? Do they flip? And 10% of them, yes, you're right, need to flip. But guess what, folks? It's the Dobbs decision. The, the greatest victory that the conservative Catholics and the GOP can point at in their lifetime is going to be the seeds of their destruction because the woman's right to choose is without a doubt the most bipartisan issue in this country today. One way I've always explained it is, will white women decide to protect their sons or protect their daughters? Because if white women want to protect their sons and their son's right to go piss on a tree and put his name into the tree and own the tree, well, then that's going to lead them in one direction. And if they want to protect their daughters and their, their daughters' fundamental rights to equality and dignity in this country, that will lead them in, the, in a different direction. And we have to and, and we, we have to see Look what happened in Kansas. Look what happened upstate New York last week. I mean, that we have real-world empirical data, folks. Kansas, on the referendum to ban choice, to have forced birth pregnancies, it was polling, that side was polling ahead. It was a blowout because the energy in a low turnout election controls it. Last week in upstate New York, Congressman-elect now Pat Ryan won an election where he was polling behind, and he won that district better than Joe Biden did, a little bit more. It's when you look at our successes, it's because of our turnout. The first election after Trump, 2017, we overperformed Virginia and New Jersey. What do we do? We flip those governorships. Those were Republican governorships. We flipped 2018. We overperformed in turnout. What happened? We won 40 House seats. We had the biggest gap in terms of pure de- votes between Democrats and Republicans for the House in decades, in decades and decades, because we came out in 2020. We came out in big numbers and we won there as well. So. On my show, and I say it in writing all the time, if we come out big, we win big, and I don't say it to make people feel better. And honestly, look, I hope the white women come out, just like I hope black men come out for us and and Hispanics, but those who are not going to come out, they're just not going to vote. They're, they're not going to be like, I'm ambivalent. I'm gonna. The midterm is about you have to have a reason to vote. And we're seeing such a unique thing now where generally the president's party loses seats in the House. We all know that. You know, these talking heads forever are like, the Democrats are going to lose. And Kevin McCarthy's like picking out wallpaper and dreaming of being in this speaker's thing and measuring the gavels he wants. What happened? It was the Dobbs decision. Right, he had gavel. <laughs> the Dobbs decision changed the dynamic. But even yeah. before that, generic congressional polling was not normal. You know, even before Dobbs, at the time for 2018, Republicans had like a seven-point lead. Uh, Democrats had a seven. We had a seven-point lead in 2018 when Biden and Trump had the same approval ratings. Where were the Republicans? Then, like a two or three-point lead. Now they've lost that lead. The GOP extremism has been in our face before Dobbs was overturned. They saw them banning books and banning Black History Month and banning transgender rights and banning even Ron DeSantis banning your ability to criticize the government, like Disney punishing Disney, a corporation, for speaking out. Then Dobbs made it so real. So. You know, to us, to get people out, we don't have to exaggerate at all. 
They are banning abort. They are forcing women who are yeah. raped to carry children the of the rapist turn and children because of their religion. And they're not ending there. They voted 90% against having a federal standard for birth control access and a marriage equality. None of this is, wow, those Democrats are crazy. Nope. Here are the receipts. Look at Texas last Thursday. Law in effect. Up to life in prison if you help a woman who is raped get an abortion. Up to life for a woman who's raped or a victim of incest. There's no more abortion. It starts at conception in Texas, meaning if you're a mm-hmm. woman on day one at conception, your uterus is proper to stay in Texas. Craig okay. Abbott runs your... They don't come between you and your doctor. They are your doctor. They are God. This is something we've never seen. That's why I keep on my. I'll tell you in Texas. Wake up! This is not normal. Well, okay. So, uh, a a few things there. Um, First of all, and I, I, I apologize. I've said this a billion times. A lot of this is down to the media for acting as if we're in normal times. The Biden administration is not a normal administration. It did not follow a normal administration. Everything, I mean, the the pieces have been flipped. Uh, So that's that's one thing that drives me crazy. To Ellie's point, um, one of the things we've done really badly uh, is explain to people, and I still, I I really do want to have a show about this uh, because it's so important. Um, We don't, we don't, educate our children about why the Dobbs decision is terrible for men and boys too. Uh, You know, so that's, that would be a huge uh, game changer. I think if we could do that, plus people don't really understand how democracy is supposed to function. It is not an end point. It's a process. You don't vote once, get everything you want, and then never have to vote again. Or you don't vote, don't get you want what you want, and then just say, oh, well, you know. Although, Democrats, it would be really cool if you would, you know, treat your base with the respect it deserves. Um, so, Dahlia, I think part of part of it, too is is understanding as horrible as it, it is to say we need to figure out how to appeal to a particular in this case white women's self-interest because it seems to yeah. be the only thing that's going to motivate them un- unbelievably um, well not unbelievably but sadly i should say it's totally believable I'm just sitting here basking in having been called roses and sunshine by <laughs> ellie like i haven't been called roses or sunshine since 2016. So I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. That's um, the new Twitter handle. I feel like I want you to tell this to my children who just think I'm the grumpiest, pissed off uh, shell of my former <laughs> self. But I, I want to say one thing to that, Mary, because I think, again, roses and sunshine. I think, in fact, one of the things that I see that's different from one year ago when people like Ellie and I were on all the shows explaining SB8 explaining why that Texas vigilante bill was Mm -hmm. the worst harbinger of what was coming. And nobody seemed to cotton on to how the court was going to do that. And the court did it, by the way, in the dark of night, on the shadow docket, with an unsigned order and no reasoning. That's how it happened. One year later, people get it. People understand. They don't know how it is possible that Dobbs happened in plain sight. 
but they understand that it happened. And the more important thing is that they understand what the fix for it is, which we couldn't explain six months ago, yeah. right? We were like, pack the court, pack the court, pack the court. Now there's real momentum for adding justices. There's yeah. real momentum for term limits. Should that have come seven years ago? Why, yes. Should it have come 20 years ago? Definitely. But the fact what is mean? we are absolutely seeing, I think people understand that they woke up suddenly on the 1st of July and they could go to jail. For a miscarriage, they could go to jail for fetal endangerment. A guy could go to jail for driving his girlfriend across state lines or for putting something in the mail. Okay, so everyone gets that now. And I think the education you're describing, holy hell, it's been a long time coming, but I think it's coming. And more to the point, Mary, and I think I would really like put a huge thumb on this scale. People understand that it's state and local races now. In a mm -hmm. way that we didn't, that if right. you don't get out and yeah. vote in your state elections for whoever is going to be administering those elections, whoever is on the elections board, if you don't focus on state races, you're going to be Mississippi next and have no water. So that's right. That's a huge shift from where we were a year ago. And I mm -hmm. completely stipulate the press is crap at explaining obscure systems. But I yeah. feel like this summer has really been revelatory for a lot of people that it could be you forced to carry a baby without a head so that you could bury that baby without a head because that could be you. And in half yeah. the states, it's going to be you. Right. And Jen, I'll get to you in a second, but I just want to catch Charlotte up. Uh, Charlotte, I'm very glad you're sitting down because um, Dahlia is being really optimistic to the to the extent that that Ellie said that that she was uh, sunshine and roses. And um, I, I, uh, I wasn't really sure how to break it to you. So I just thought I would come right out and say it. Dahlia is being hopeful um, and the rest of us really like it. But that leaves the field totally clear for you. Um, and, you know, uh, I actually, I think a lot of us here are feeling hopeful about November. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about, we started talking about what's going on with uh, espionage and treason and all of that stuff. But, you know, it's really a, com a conversation about uh, what is at stake, regardless of what happens to Donald fucking Jessica Trump. Um, so, Jen, where are you coming down on all of this? And, you know, is there anything you'd like to add about uh, other things white women, particularly in the suburbs, should be maybe paying some attention to? Yes, um, thank you. So... Um, You're welcome. <laughs> I I'm just feeling so like, I know because I'm I was expecting you to 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 ask Charlotte to bring us down to earth. Um, oh, she'll have now, a chance. Don't worry. Okay, okay. What I want to say is, like Brian, I've spent some time traveling um, and spent some time with um, white and uh, white women and men um, in the Midwest. And I have a friend, a white friend, who's from uh, originated in uh, grew up in um, Erie, PA. And so what couple observations about that, uh, a close male, white male relative of mine uh, was asking me the other day when I was in Michigan um, about stare decisis. And he was shocked, if you can believe it, that Kavanaugh had lied. He really believed that's what how he put it. Um, wait, guys, guys, he really believed <laughs> it was painful for me, too. This is. 
Okay, anyway, but but he really believed that they would never, you know, overturn Roe. Um, and I said, yeah, you know, Dad, I went to law school and I told, you know, like, <laughs> you know, okay, whatever. But um, were you talking to Susan Collins? Yeah, no, he didn't believe it would happen. You know, and he's a former doctor, and it's and we're watching this stuff go down in Michigan with them trying to, you know, block, um, you know, block this law that would, you know, outlaw all kinds of abortion, and uh, it really comes home literally and figuratively because it's all like, you know, my family's like, oh yeah, and the judge who's hearing that went to your high school, and like it's it's all it's all kind of coming together, and people see it right there, really fast in their face. Um, and, you know, so there's that. And I want to but I want to point out this is where John Roberts is probably fuming because he was going to find a way, as you all mm-hmm. remember, yep. to be able to have the fig leaf of saying Roe wasn't overturned. It was just we got rid of the viability work. Right. He mm-hmm. was going to pull a Shelby County. I mean, I'm, I, I'm speaking in shorthand yeah. here, like I'm yeah. so effing glad that he didn't get away with overturning Roe. Right. actually, but pretending it wasn't. Right. Well, because they, it was going to be the same was. damn thing, but mm-hmm. people like my father, that nuance, you know, if you haven't gone to law school, you're not going to get that. Now it's bottom line, Roe was overturned. I have been saying for months, you know, ever since the Texas law came down, Roe had been overturned. Ever since in these states, all the trap laws, Roe had been overturned, essentially. But, but, but the reality is they went too far, and, you know, you know, it's better that they did it like this because now we can, you know, get the, the you know, get the stuff we need um, at the federal level. We can get rid of these bozos and people are waking up. So that's one piece about white men um, and to some degree white women. Let me add the thing about Erie, uh, uh, the, the, you know, sort of a bit of a bellwether, I think, Erie PA, you know, um, and my friend grew up in a sort of, you know, upper middle class suburb, mostly white people. And come to find out, I didn't even know this, but a good friend of hers, we've always heard of a doctor had voted for Trump. And this is like someone I'd, I'd heard her talk about who seemed pretty progressive, but it was all about their taxes, right? Now they're screaming about Roe being overturned and a lot of them. Right. And, you know, my, you know, anyway, I've got, I've got a lot of a lot of things to, to say about the, those issues there. Um, and I'm writing a book about tax because I'm actually trying to figure out a way to deal, have Democrats deal better with taxing the, you know, the upper middle class working people less so in taxing the you know billionaires more in order to bring some of them back into the fold we shouldn't be losing those voters but that's a whole other right. whole other story um, but at any rate i'm seeing what brian is seeing the question is is it enough you know right. uh, you know la said and, and something that really touched me because i'd never thought about it one last thing is what la i don't know if you all heard this but la said you know white women are going to have to choose between their sons and their daughters and i know that abortion affects the sons but he's really he made such a point, it kind of hit me in my heart and it reminds me of the uh, film, if you all saw Pan's Labyrinth. It's an amazing film. But the, but even if you haven't seen it, there's something that, you know, white women are complicit in our own oppression because, shut up, Mary, why are you smirking at me? No, because Ellie did his best Pan's Labyrinth imitation. <laughs> okay, I get it. I, get I never... <laughs> but um, white women, we can be, you know, complicit in our own oppression because it's our job right, to socialize, well, you know, maybe the job of all women generally to socialize children into sometimes the oppressive 
strict, rigid gender roles that are assigned to them. And what that comes with daughters can be really brutal, even if they have been through it themselves. And that film kind of demonstrates that. And the question is, what the women who these, you know, most white women that we're talking about, not the young white women voters, but the older ones, they remember what it was like. So instead of them sort of going, whatever, they remember the first wave. Who's that? The second wave, second wave of feminism. They remember they might not have been a feminist, but they were pro-choice. So I'm just hoping they choose their daughters and they choose themselves um, and they, you know, and they throw out these Republicans. I hope they choose right. their daughters and their sons. Yeah. Choosing their daughters. Right. right. And um, I, I so much of, of what you said resonates, Jen. And I think I, I hate saying this because it's it's not exactly uh, what I mean. But like you said, it's it's not it's it's probably a good thing that Roberts wasn't allowed to get away with being a weasel. Well, he is a weasel, but you know what I mean? Oh, he's a weasel. Uh, because um, people know now, and and I think as Dahlia and, and some of you uh, have said before, and all of us know, uh, the right to an abortion has, has, hasn't been a right for most people. It's been a right on paper, not a right in, in reality. Uh, so let's, let everybody know that. And um, the reason I hate saying that is because uh, women are going to continue to uh, suffer and die. And, uh, you know, it, what's ha- what happened in Kansas isn't going to happen in Alabama. Uh, so that's the watershed. The, the faster we, we move along and uh, get, get Democrats in office so we can fix all of those reasons uh, that the states are split up like this, the better. And now, Charlotte, I leave it to you to bring us down. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I just want to hear what you have to say um, about uh, November. Should we be hopeful about, uh, you know, we were also talking about the espionage logo or whatever the fuck it's being called right now. Um, is there going to be accountability? Uh, does it matter? Um, and what is the does it hurt the Republican Party? How are, how are Democrats positioned at this point? Do you think in November? Yeah. So two things. The first thing is that you know in April I was very depressed because I I just knew we were going to lose badly in November. I mean that's that's where all the signs were pointing. Uh, it seemed like the party couldn't get its shit together. Um, I, I would have meetings with some members of Congress who. I say this with respect, didn't seem to know what the hell they were doing. Uh, And it really, really depressed me. But I got to say, over the last three weeks, things have really turned around way faster than I thought they would. The Kansas vote alone gives me hope. That alone, I think, is the is the is the watershed moment when everyone woke up and said, "Oh, we can actually win this." Yeah, and you know, Dean also uh, pointed to what happened in upstate New York. Uh, Yeah, yeah, right, right. The the special election upstate New York. I mean, these these are all signs that are pointing well to something good. Um, here's the part I want to bring us down a little bit. Um, Don't do it, Charlie. I'm of, two, <laughs> I'm of two minds on these things. Um, you know, when I have to approach how the public perceives things that go on in D.C., I think of it as who I am as an adult living on the East Coast, college graduate, progressive trans woman, right? And then there's the other side of me. 
growing up in Texas around conservatives, knowing how they think, having you know family who are conservatives and Trump supporters. And I got to tell you, every time I get a push notification about this person or that person or this agency or whomever uh, investigating Trump or a Republican, my eyes just kind of glaze over because <laughs> I just think, you know, yeah. this is not this is not playing as well as I think a lot of people wish it were. Right. Um, I, you know, maybe maybe the Fulton County uh, DA uh, uh, figures something out. Maybe the Westchester County DA figures something out. Maybe the, the D.C. Attorney General figure something out with their with their investigation. Maybe the New York New York Attorney General figures something out. Maybe the DOJ, uh, you know, gets the ball across the line and forgive the sports metaphor. I, I love sports, but um, maybe they get the ball across the line and, and make this happen. But regardless, I don't think this is playing as well politically to people um, as a lot of progressives believe it is, because the way it probably looks to a lot of conservatives and Trump supporters, especially in the South, is that all these investigations are clearly proof that Trump is being the target of a witch hunt. Persecuted. Persecuted, that's right. He's being burned at the stake. As I say right. in Texas. So as much as so as much as I think we have reason to be hopeful about November, I just I hope that people take a big bucket of salt with all these investigations. I don't think that we're gonna see much action on them before November. The best hope we have, in fact, the best hope we have, in my humble opinion, not being a lawyer is whatever the public perception is to the September hearings uh, on January 6th. You know, maybe yep. those will be really great, yep. uh, but that's that's really all there is. Well, Charlotte, I love you. Don't be pessimistic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Dahlia. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a creature of hope. Well, I, you know, hope. I, don't, I don't think Charlotte's being pessimistic because I think about it. it. Somebody you supported with your vote, somebody you put your trust in is, is – is being charged with pretty much everything from treason on down because he's guilty, but it seems impossible. And the reason it's happening is because this guy has gone without accountability for his entire life. So it's all hopefully catching up with him, but it doesn't seem like a real thing because how could somebody do all of that criming and and have reached the heights he's reached, right? That's what his supporters are thinking. So I think that's fair. But also, and I said this during our emergency session last week, I don't give a shit what these people think anymore. I do not fucking care. Uh, Dean said it, come out in force. We will come out in force. We have right on our side. Um, I will say, though, the fact that... Um, this guy stole the kinds of documents he stole <laughs> and we're still like having, well, you know, people are still, Oh, it's just so, so to kind of, I want to end closer to where Dahlia was today. One, cause it, it is no, I, and I mean this with love, it's rare and I want to see more of it. Um, but you know, let's, let's, uh, end with something, uh, good. I'm going to start, um, I think it's fascinating that Waj didn't show up today. Um, Ellie, I think he's afraid of you and your 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 status as a potential head nerd. But you know, uh, I'll leave it for him. He's probably gonna he's gonna hate me. Um, so Ellie, what what is uh, something not related to any of this nonsense we've been talking about that's kind of keeping you in the game and or just helping you unplug? Because it's it's been a wild ride and it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I went to Vegas and I got COVID as one does when they go to <laughs> that's Vegas. Good. Um, that's good. 
And, uh, yeah, I've been so careful. I've been so careful. And then it was like, continue being careful or play poker. And I was like, I'm clearly going to play poker. Um, Good so I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. I got the antiviral. I was sick for, yeah, I'm a big fat guy. Like, I, and I, and I'm like, I'm not the healthiest person, um, in, in the world. Right. But I, you know, I got the antiviral. Um, I brought it home. My wife got sick. My mom got sick. They got the antiviral. Where's the good stuff? Yeah. We're all alive. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like, hails, like if this had happened two years ago, I really think we would have been in trouble given yeah, yeah, yeah. the age of my mother, health problems, whatever. It happened two years later. We're all fine. We're all, we're all going to make it. And so the, the thing that makes me feel better, and this is how I'm rolling it back in, is that if you would have told me on, you know, the June of, of 2020 mm-hmm. that I was going to go to Vegas and give my whole family COVID, I'd be like, what kind of idiot do you take me for? Right? That's right. <laughs> but would you take yeah, the odds? Would you take the Vegas odds? Happen and we're, we're, I'm obviously, I'm not trying to, I'm not going back to Vegas. Right? I'm not trying to get it again. Right. right. <laughs> We're fine. And it reminds me that like things can and do get better because good people, dedicated public servants, dedicated smart people keep working the problem and things do get better. So that's my little moment of up today. Yeah, that's that's such a good point that people forget about. And uh, yes, um, standing ovation in Zoom. I don't know how that works, but um, 500 people over 500 people died yesterday from COVID. Uh, the vast majority of them, I assume, were were not vaccinated. So, you know, being double vaxxed, double boosted uh, doesn't mean you're not going to get sick. The chances of you getting really, really sick are like slim and the chances of you're dying are slim to none. So it, we should all be so grateful. I mean, I know we are, but more people should be expressing the grat- their gratitude for uh, the those scientists who rock and are probably also nerds, not to stereotype, um, who saved so many, so many lives uh, despite Donald's best efforts. Um, Brian. Uh, what do I do to, I just, uh, I had a choice of going downtown and uh, standing on the South lawn and shouting a question at Joe Biden today, or uh, coming here after working in the garden where I picked 20 pounds of sweet potatoes out of my garden. So that's how I'm staying sane. That, that, and of course my, my wild turkey, and, uh, and and playing it playing guitar in a band keeps me sane, or maybe not. But but at the end of the day, it's it's talking with people, you know, here and and talking with people across the country and finding out that um, honestly, um, I know everyone pounds on the media, and I I think it's worthy to do so because we're a bunch of young morons in the press corps <laughs> these days without any type of experience. But it's talking with other people and finding out that the world isn't as crazy as sometimes it's made out to be. It's just the Donald Trumps of the world, and they suck up all the oxygen in the room. And, Mary, what you said earlier, it's so true. You you don't even have to talk to these people anymore. Just get out and vote, and everything will be all right because the numbers are against them. So I – I'm going to I'm, I'm going to side on the side of roses. And what was the other thing in there? Roses and sunshine and sunshine instead of instead of unicorns and rainbows, which was the Sean Spicer ep- epiphany that he had. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, what keeps me sane is or, or realizing that the, the world isn't nearly as crazy as the politicians 
And right. if we get out and vote them out, the morons, look, bottom line, when I'm talking to people in Missouri, they all think Josh Holly is a sissy. But they, they saw him running away. They're going, we all like him, but he's a damn sissy. He's going out of office. I mean, you got farmers that are pissed off at him. Some of those people in Texas are pissed off at Cruz. I, I love it. I, at the end of the day, I think they, they've risen to the height of their own hubris, and they're going to be gone. I, I'll, I'll side with roses and, and sunshine, baby. Okay, roses and sunshine 2.0. And and just to your point about you know people sucking up the action, that's why Joe Biden needs to be in primetime. That's why the January 6th hearings yes. need to be in primetime. Take back the spotlight. Take back the stage. Uh, Charlotte, the oxygen. what's at right? What's good? Yeah, what's, I mean, what's keeping uh, you from being totally pessimistic? Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, first of all, you know, having read Dahlia for for many, many years now, the fact that she's optimistic gives me a lot of hope. Uh, her writing and her analysis is very grounded. Uh, it's very reasonable, uh, and I would even say a little cynical in a healthy way. Wouldn't you agree, Dahlia? A little <laughs> healthy bit, that cynicism you're in a healthy way. Healthy cynicism, right? Um, but I will say this as well, folks. Uh, again, don't get distracted by the investigations. You know, look, this final exam that we have is August 30th. It's two months away. So we are, we've already been given answers. We have already been given the answers. We've, we've been given the cheat sheet. Kansas gave us the cheat sheet. Go after Roe. That should be mm-hmm. the message of Democrats for the next two yep. months is that the government is coming after you. They're trying to control your private life. They're trying to control your access to health care. They're trying to allow big government to control what your family does. That's the answer. That is the whole message. That should be the whole message. And if right. you don't do that, we will deserve to lose November. That's all right. I got. Right. I'm well deserve. A, um, but, you know, politics aside, just just one quick, what, anything giving you joy particularly these days? Oh, my goodness. Um, it could be just watching well, the U.S. Open. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, watching, watching Serena's last tournament has been bittersweet. Um, yeah. I, I will say that seeing all the LGBTQ folks who are running for office right now, it's been amazing. Yep. Uh, you know, we are about to see uh, Maury Turner, the first non-binary black Muslim uh, elected in the country to, the, to a state legislature. Uh, yep. They're about to win uh, re-election in November. Uh, we're going to see uh, Dana Carome uh, win her uh, state Senate seat, which is great. She'll be going to the upper chamber. I love her. Yep. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing right now is a, and, and I hate to put it this way, but it, I, I kind of like this term, a uh, rainbow wave. We're seeing yet another rainbow wave, which is yep. great. Yep. Uh, so that's giving me a lot of hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the success in the last couple of cycles has been incredible in the LGBT. And Mary and I are on a board together, uh, for LPAC. So we you are. can go to teamlpac.org and donate to Team LPAC to support queer women running for office. Teamlpac.org. And the candidates uh, are extraordinary. So definitely check it out, uh, teamlpac.org. It's a great organization, and they do research, which I love. Um, uh, Dahlia, what is, uh, other than the political climate, what else is uh, delivering Roses and Sunshine 2.0 to you today? I I have to have a quasi-political answer, Mary, just because I have no no life outside of this. Um, I guess like sun, I like the sun. Um, I saw my parents this summer, like Ellie, I hadn't seen my parents, you know, mm-hmm. some of this stuff is, is magic to be able to travel. But I, I, I want to say, and maybe this is a different version of what Jen said, but I think not being gaslit is the loveliest thing in the world. 
And I really do feel like people gaslighting me about Kavanaugh and about Barrett and they're not going to overturn Roe. And and I really think if you're a lawyer, you think about the law. And I guess this goes to Charlotte's point about not getting our hopes up. But the hardest thing if you're a lawyer is when they lie to you and they're telling you that a thing that isn't happening manifestly in front of your eyes or that is happening isn't happening. And so for me, I actually have to say the saying of the quiet parts out loud is so freaking liberating. And I love that nobody is lying to me at the Supreme Court, that they are showing me, with the exception of John Roberts, exactly who they are. Because, oh, my God, the lying makes you crazy. And so I, I guess for me, and I wrote about this a little bit, like it is the height of white male privilege to be able to say the quiet part out loud and think there will be no repercussions. And so when white men are saying like, oh, you know, two weeks is plenty of time to report a rape or like, oh, ERs are not going to like let you go septic and they're lying and everybody can see the lies for what they are. I, my God, I'm like a dolphin in the sun. Like it's so (laughs) nice that we can like engage on the terms of reality. And so I agree with Charlotte. I don't think that this is playing in Texas the way it's playing everywhere else, but at least we're now speaking to each other. And when they are in fact saying, it turns out this is a really political answer, sorry, but when they are in fact saying, we're the party that believes that elections are not valid and violence is the only answer, and that's textbook fascism, good. Say it out loud, keep saying it, Say it over and over again. Retweet the QAnon people. At least we are on the same terms now. And for somebody who's been like living in like this hazy reality of like, I don't think they're telling the truth anymore. This is so (laughs) refreshing. So like, let's hear it for reality. Two thumbs up. Yeah, I it it is really refreshing. Um, And I completely concur. Uh, And what's interesting too, though, the other people are still being gaslit by the people that they are, are their leaders. And that's, that's uh, amazing to me. Uh, Jen. Um, I'm going to have a real answer, but I want to respond to what Dahlia said, because you put into words, I think how I'm feeling. And around four years ago, Dahlia wrote a piece in slate called how to survive Trump's presidency mm-hmm. and uh, not go crazy. And there's, it was kind of about the early, gaslighting we were feeling. And I think you said something about, you know, how you would, you'd even forget that reality was, maybe we'd mark our foreheads in some way. So we'd recognize, I don't know what you said, but like (laughs) having, having us all be like, yeah, that's really what's going on. And then being entirely truthful about what they meant. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it just feels good. It's not an, I told you so feels good. Because I never will say that to people. It doesn't do right. any good whatsoever. Right. It's more of a relief um, because it was it was absolutely maddening. Um, the thing, though, Mary, that's making me happy is I, you know, I have uh, various friends who sometimes send me TikTok videos, and there's the most insane one that I've watched like a hundred times, or maybe a hundred, maybe ten times this morning. I don't know if you all have seen it. It's, I've watched it a hundred. <laughs> it's a mouse that is dressed up in like um chain mail <laughs> it's dressed up in chain mail and it's singing and there's a voiceover singing the kate bush song running up that hill and it's and it's it's offering it's if i can make a deal with god but it's saying if i can make a deal with god um 
I, something about selling two, two avocados for ten dollars. Ten dollars, ten bucks. Anyway, you have to watch it. Do you, you guys? I don't even why know why I think it's so it? funny. It's, it's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever watch seen in my it life. Over and over. It's not just the physical com, 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 comedy of it. It's the idea that you would bargain with God. Anyway, it's very funny, and I could watch it a hundred times and could write a dissertation about it, um, but I won't. I'm just telling you. Um, I'm not I'll send the link to everybody. But I blame Michael because he literally brought me these avocados. So I would forget <laughs> to tell you, Mary. Ooh, prop humor. <laughs> what have we become? Roses, sunshine, and carrot well, avocados. <laughs> yes. Uh, two for $10, though. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like uh, God to, could do better. All right. This <laughs> has been amazing. Uh, thank you all for being here, uh, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Taub, Ellie Mistal, Brian Karam, Charlotte Clymer, Ruth Ben Giat, Norm Ornstein, Den, Den? <laughs> I don't, th- I changed Dean's name, Dean Obadala. I uh, thank you all. You do keep, I can't say sane because I'm not sane, but uh, you keep me centered. I think that's the word centered, grounded. I so appreciate all of you. Uh, Please stay safe and I will see you all soon. Thank you so much for being here today and watching with us. Uh, Thank you also to my special guests, Ruth Ben-Ghiat, professor of uh, history and Italian studies at New York University, author of Strongman from Mussolini to the Present, and proprietor of the excellent uh, Substack uh, newsletter called Lucid, and Ellie Mistal, writer at The Nation and author of Allow Me to Retort. Uh, both Ellie's book and Ruth's book are required reading. They are excellent. And of course, thank you to the Nerd Avengers who were here today. It is always a high point of my week. And for hanging in with us, for all of your comments, thank you very much. And don't forget, we uh, have our Thursday show coming up at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. That's at youtube.com slash Politicon. And of course, next Tuesday, we'll be back at 12 p.m. Eastern for... No, see, let me subtract three from 12. 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's also at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're on YouTube's Politicon, uh, sorry, Politicon's YouTube page, uh, just subscribe to Politicon. It doesn't cost anything. Like the episode, put a comment there if you want to, and click on the bell because that way you will be absolutely sure to be notified every time a video drops. And I've been putting out shorter videos to keep up with uh, the craziness. Uh, So thank you once again for being here. Oh, I almost forgot. You can listen to this uh, as a podcast on Apple or wherever you listen. Uh, Infrequent reminder, except for Spotify. And uh, please give the show a five-star review because it really does help other people find us. And the goal here is to amplify the voices of my incredible guests who come week after week. It is such a pleasure and honor uh, to have them on the show. Uh, So thank you. Uh, We will see you Thursday at 7 p.m. In the meantime, stay safe and be kind.